investor doing things on your own? How about someone working with a firm that isn't so responsive or in sync with your investment philosophy? My podcast talks you through all things financial. Look, there's stuff you don't deal with very often, but investments, insurance, and retirement is something we plan for each and every day. This is the Pennywise Financial Podcast, and welcome to the show. Welcome to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here with Monarch Wealth Management. And today I have a very special announcement. I don't have my typical co-host today, Jason Georgiev, but I do have a new employee, a new co-worker, a new colleague, and his name is Sam Gwelly. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Cons. I'm excited. Did I say your name right, Gwelly? You did. Yep, Gwelly. You nailed it. Okay. Salvatore, but we call you Sam. Welcome to the company. Welcome to the show. Um, let's give them. A, let's give our listeners a little bit of background on you, who you are, and what you're going to be doing for the firm, so that people can get comfortable with hearing your voice and knowing what you're doing. Yeah, you know, I'm from Fairport. I uh, grew up right down the street. Went to university at Buffalo, just like everybody else here. Another UB alumni. <laughs> How about that? It's the best, right? Um, as far as what I'm going to be doing here for now, you know, I'm just shadowing Jason. I'm learning from David and Cons, and I'm really just trying to take in as much information as I can right now. Uh, you know, so I, my goals are to eventually get fully licensed in everything I got to do. And and you're on your way. What's I'm what's your way. first license? What's your first objective? The first one right now I'm working on is the health and life insurance one. Mm, and it's uh, a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> you got that right. Um, about halfway done with that. And it's going all right. You know, it's a lot of information. Very dry. Very dry. But uh, I'm honestly just excited to get through each and every one so I can, you know, start doing the good stuff as soon as I can. Yeah, so. and the, it's it's funny. These licenses, you're, you're probably at an advantage. Like when I took the exams, I had been out of school for, for probably five, ten years. I, I can't even remember now. Um, this is going back... 15 years, 14 years, something like that. But um, when you get out of that habit of, of that practice of studying, going to exams, going to class, doing those kind of things, and you, you know, you you have a family and you have your normal job and you, it's really hard to get back into. So I uh, started some additional coursework two years ago, got the CPFA uh, and was looking at the CFA, which is one day ultimately what I'd like to get. Uh, not so flashy as like the CFP, but that's something I just have an interest in. So you're working on the insurance and health, life and health insurance. We're super dry, right? Oh, yeah. Super Definitely. dry. And the the thing that I told you too was when you're studying these this this guides, learn the material. It doesn't mean it's going to be used in in real world, real life, right? Because there's there's the exam stuff on how things are supposed to work, quote unquote. And then there's how they actually work. And they're very different. So I don't want to cloud your mind with with the reality of how things actually work, the products and things that you're learning about now don't necessarily work that way in, in the real world. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And honestly, for me, uh, it's kind of like being back in college because I was still in school at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, so a lot of my classes were online. Uh, exactly in the same format as the course that I'm taking right now, which is all online. All online. Yep. And kind of like what you were saying, uh, it really wasn't that far, you know, uh, it wasn't that long ago 
that I was still in that mindset of learning a lot of information, studying it, preparing myself for a test and taking a test. So that really hasn't gotten away from me. So I think you're right. Um, I do kind of have an advantage there. I think so. so. Use it. Please, yeah, for sure. please use it. I, I wish I had gotten into this uh, business fresh out of college. Um, kind of hard. I, I remember interviewing with a few different companies like Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, Edward Jones. Um, and a lot of what you see in, in here is these ultra successful people that have been doing it for 30, 40 years. And um, I had a hard time finding younger people that were successful because usually what happens is they, they flunk out, I guess, if you will. So the, the general way that most of these firms will hire and bring about new young talent is, hey, here's a list or here, here's, a, here's a blank sheet of paper. Write down all your friends and family and bug the crap out of them. Sell them whatever you can sell them. And then when you run out of gas and you're fed up with that sales process, that sales cycle, by the way, when you leave, because you just can't bear it anymore, those clients are now the clients of the firm, right? And that sucks. That's, yeah. you know, that that sucks. And I know you had a few offers mm -hmm. and, and we're glad. First of all, welcome to the firm. Welcome to the company. Welcome to the industry. We're happy to have you. Um, but I'm glad that you made that choice. It's not so clear. It's not always clear. Like if you're if you're starting out in this career to, to kind of differentiate between a, a smaller company like a Monarch Wealth Management versus like a MetLife, a New York Life, a big insurance company, a big bank, they're very different. But unless you're in the business, you don't really know, you know, so you must have seen something, yeah. something that you liked about us. Yeah. You know, uh, I think we kind of talked about it a little bit previously. Uh, I did have an offer from a different company, uh, kind of doing the same thing, but kind of like what you said, they wanted me to go after, you know, before I even got hired, they wanted me to go after my friends, my family, and just basically introduce me to the concept of bugging people I know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that immediately didn't sit right with me. I can't imagine, so, like, you would probably be the least liked person at absolutely. family events. At, at, oh, here comes Sam. Let's run the other way. Exactly. And <laughs> you know what? Knowing my friends, knowing my extended family, if I ever tried to go up to them and, you know, say the scripted questions that this other company wanted me to do, they'd just either laugh in my face <laughs> or they'd be like, dude, shut up. Like, you know what I mean? It's hard. I mean, think about our industry. Somebody meets Sam for the first time. And they, you know, they like what you're, the story that you're telling them. And they write you a check for a million bucks. What, what do they leave with? What does a client leave with? Nothing. Paperwork, right? And most of it's electronic. It, I mean, if you know me, I like technology, especially for those uses. I don't like to have these big filing cabinets filled with documents uh, just for the sake of having them. If I can store them in cloud, I will. So people have trust. And how can we establish rapport and trust if you're just hounding somebody right. to sell them something? You don't even know if they need it. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. You don't know a thing about it. Well, you know, it's Uncle Johnny. Uh, but besides that, hey, he's got a business. He's got some money. But you don't know a thing about him, what he actually needs. And, you, you know, this blanket... Um, it, we worked at other companies and I've seen it with other investment firms and insurance firms where they say, Hey, we've got a great product. Now go find the clients for this. Isn't it kind of backwards? It's like, let's come up with a drug and now go sell it to the people that need it. 
shouldn't you start with the source, start with the person, find out what they actually need and then go for the solution and look for that? Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what attracted me to this company and you guys, because you were kind of telling me that that's what, you know, you prioritized over the other company I mentioned. And I was like, I think these guys do it the right way. And, you know, I heard some good stuff about Monarch in general, but that really is what got me. So that makes a lot of sense. Well, to me, it's a, it's a huge differentiator. And I don't say that just because it's our firm, but mm. when you can start with a truly customized experience for that client, because we're small enough that we can do that. When you start to get too big, like a, like a massive cruise ship, it's hard to steer and navigate. You know, when you have to make corporate changes and you've got 10 partners and 50 advisors and a sales support staff of another 175, that's a lot of people involved when you make a tweak or a change. Because of our size and our structure, we're able to do that. We've got four locations. We've got two here in Rochester, two in Buffalo. You got four different advisors. We all have different areas of expertise. And now our newest addition, Sam, he's going to have, you know, gravitate towards something that he feels passionate about. And I think that's extremely important. Um, not everybody's going to want or need, you know, what you have to offer where you excel, but that's okay. There's plenty of business to go around. And with that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host today, Sam Gwali. Welcome back to the show, Sam. Thank you very much. Okay, so we talked about your background, why you chose Monarch. Um, we talked about other firms and how they might be a little bit different. And I think the, the unique value proposition that we offer to our clients and prospects and to our coworkers, our colleagues. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit and let's change perspective from uh, you as a colleague and working in this field. And now what it's like to be a prospect. If you don't currently work with myself, with David, Diana, Mark, or Sam. Um, so what I had you do is a kind of a, a project, if you will, is go onto our website, fill out the new client application, as I request before all meetings, I want the prospect to pre-populate an application so that we have some dialogue. Um, so why don't you share your experience with that application? Yeah, so that it's pretty straightforward. You know, all the questions are really easy to answer. Uh, I think it's definitely a good idea for a prospect or a prospect to go through and do that um, because we kind of talked about this before. But you know, if if you're coming in with a meeting for the first time with somebody and you have to, you know, spend a lot of the time asking for information and details, you're going to waste a lot of time, you know, time that you could be talking about your plan and your goals and stuff like the good stuff that you want to talk about. Everyone's time, exactly. my time, exactly. the client's time, the prospect, like, I mean, we, you and I don't need to spend an hour having you tell me where you live, mm. what your birthday is, um, 
You're bored out of your mind. What did you get as a client out of that? Zero. Right. Nothing. So, so yeah, if you take the time and go through and do that, I think it makes everybody's job easier. You know, even the client, because then you can go right into the meeting. You can start talking about the stuff that matters. And so the line of questions, obviously a lot of it's basic stuff. Like, mm. where do you live? What's your birthday? Yeah, really What's your easy. name? And then it gets into financial stuff. So it talks about things like assets. Where's your money? Where's your stuff? Is it in bank accounts? Is it in investments? Um, did it make you kind of think differently about what your scenario might be like or what a, a prospect might be like? Because I have a lot of people that tell me they fill this questionnaire out and it's like, whoa, it kind of started the wheels turning. Like, okay, this, as I'm answering these questions, I'm telling you where I have my money invested, my experience, my life insurance, my protection. Did, did you kind of see how that might trigger some thoughts in your head about maybe understanding better about your goals or where you are currently? Yeah, for sure. And uh, obviously I'm still, you know, very new. I'm of still, course, I still got course. a lot to learn, but at the same time, uh, you know, just looking at some of the questions, you know, I started to think about things that I haven't before. So uh, to answer your question, yes, because there's a lot of questions there that I didn't even know you guys needed to know or wanted to know. And I didn't even know that that information would help. So um, I think as, you know, from the prospect's point of view, I think that's really good just because there's a lot of different information, uh, a lot of stuff that's going to open your mind to the whole process that's about to happen. So I, th I think it sets the stage too for the meeting. It As you're answering those questions, it, it kind of gives you an idea of you know, what do I actually need or want out of this meeting? Mm. When I meet with Constantine, what do I want him to do for me? Right? Um, so it's not a product dump. It's not like, hey, you need life insurance. You need disability. You need long-term care insurance. You need stocks. You need bonds. You need. You don't need all that stuff yet. We have to find out what you're trying to achieve first, right? That's the goal. Um, we have some clients you know, they, they ended up working with us for a number of years and they've accumulated some wealth, some money, some stuff. And it's like, once they've reached a point where they're retired and they have sufficient income, they're debt free, how much is enough? And I have some folks that like, quite honestly, they, they could afford to be much more involved in the market, but they choose not to be because they're in a comfortable place. If you've built up an account you know, from 500,000 to 3 million to 5 million, how much is enough? When is the time to say, let's protect more of that stuff, keep it safer, right? So I could tell you, um, this is way before your time, but in 2005, 2006, 2007, you could park your money in a CD making six or 7%. Guaranteed, 12 months, 18 months, two years. Think of that. Now, just imagine what that would be like if, Sam, if this was day one for you and you're trying to offer clients a solution, whether it be in the stock market, in the bond market, and you're going up against accounts that are guaranteed making seven plus percent. It's got to be like hell, right? I, I lived through that time. Um, I don't remember or I don't know uh, if you remember what rates are in CDs, CDs are have kind of uh, vanished almost, if you will, except the aging population, you know, folks that are in their late 70s and 80s. I don't think the majority of people 50 or under have really bought CDs in the last decade. 
Did you guys, you know, as a kid, did you ever get savings bonds? Yeah, actually. I you got did. quite a few of them, yep. Did you? Mm-hmm. I can remember getting a few when I was a young, young kid, and that stopped maybe when I was 10 or 15, um, and people just sent cash or checks. But back in the day, used to, you know, they used to pay a decent amount. Can't get that anymore. Yeah, I was uh, I was born in 98. I'm 23. I was born in the 90s, and I have... Uh, uh, you know, still a few of those bonds right from when I was born from a lot of people would give them to me, you know, on the day I was born, that was their gift to like me, to my family. And, uh, recently I was able to cash a few of them in, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And they made some, you know, a quite a bit of profit. So I I don't think anybody does that anymore. Uh, No, but you know, me and my older sister both got them from various people. Well, I could tell you this. The um, So those old school savings bonds where you go down to the bank and you meet with a banker and you say, hey, I've got uh, 5000 for little Johnny and I'd like to buy a, a savings bond. Those days are gone. Um, on one of the last shows we did at the tail end of the year, we talked about I-bonds and tips and things like that that folks can do. Uh, again, not directly with us. There are ways we can implement uh, buying tips and, and things like that bonds that will appreciate over time, especially with a rising interest rate environment. Um, but nothing like those individual bonds where you come on with 50 bucks, 100 bucks. We, it's just something we can't do uh, here at, at the level um, right now based on that for our clients. But it's it's worth noting. So, that, so you went online, you filled out the application. How long did it take you? Uh, no more than 15 to 20 minutes, I think. Okay. And... Um, could you imagine anybody saying that they don't want to fill that out? Like, I just want to get a meeting with you. I don't want to fill, I don't want to give you all my information, my birthday, my social, my assets, my experience. Cause we've had people say that before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to do that. Cause again, you know, you're either going to take that 15 minutes to go ahead and fill that out by yourself, or you're going to spend half an hour to an hour trying to, you know, meet with you or David and just talk about that information when you could already have it. And I think it's it's an investment of time for your financial future to, to, to know more about yourself, to give the information that we would need to have uh, a really productive meeting um, versus just the data collection meeting. Yeah. Where do you live, Sam? What's your birthday? How old are you? And uh, have more of a, a dialogue that's focused around your goals. And, and I think a lot of times, too, filling out that application helps you identify maybe some goals that you didn't think of. Do I want to retire? Do I, When is a pre-retirement or semi-retirement age? I might want to hang up my hat when I'm 65, but maybe when I'm 50, I want to kind of pull off the pedal. I don't want to keep working my, my butt off, you know, uh, at that age. I want to enjoy life. I want to make sure that I accumulate enough assets and pay down debts. And so a lot of these conversations might be surrounded on budgeting and planning and little things that you can do. Think about it. We're, so we're 12 days in to the new year. What's, everybody, what's on everybody's mind right now? Like New Year's resolutions. New Year's right? resolutions. Probably not financial. Some people might be financially driven, but most of it is, is based on weight. I'm going to eat healthier. Go, to the, go to the gym more. Yep. I'm going to bring my lunch to work. I'm going to stop going out as much. I'm going to lay off on some of the drinks and the booze, right? And then that kind of fades throughout the year, right? And then we have some folks that will start implementing a plan on how to how to pay down their debts, how to budget their money, how to save more for retirement, how to reduce their taxes, 
So those are, those are all conversations that I've had with many of my clients as we head into the fourth quarter of the year. And now in the new year, we're taking action based on that plan. But we do have people that come in as prospects and say, geez, I really don't have a lot of money. I don't have $2 million to invest right now. Um, you know, I've got twenty five or 50000 to get started. I'd like to make sure that I'm putting away another 1000 or two a month. Um, you probably won't help me as a client. And, and the answer to that is, of course we will. Not every client is going to be walking through the door with a million or two million or five million dollars. It's just not going to happen. We live in upstate New York. Let's be realistic here, right? And every financial advisor says, oh, yeah, my minimum is, uh, you know, five million dollars. Those are the ideal clients they'd like to have. Um, but the reality is for us, the bread and butter for us is mom and pops that have saved um, over time. They want to make sure their stuff is taken care of. You know, because they worked hard to, to build that. Could be Kodak, could be Xerox, could be uh, working at the hospital, U of R, working at Wegmans, a lot of local employers um, where they've been here for a very long time. Although I will say that trend is changing. People don't stay loyal to a, a company or a job anymore. I worked 30 years at the GM plant. You're not going to hear that very often, especially as the younger generation starts to age. So those are some things uh, from a different perspective. That's good to hear your feedback. It only took you, would you say, 15, 20 15, minutes? 15, 20 minutes, yep. Small investment of time. Uh, it's not because I'm a nosy neighbor and I'm really curious to see how much money Sam has. I could care less. I'm busy. I have a, a practice to run. And you don't want me spending time going through that with you. You want me managing the money. You want me researching for you as a client. Which stocks am I buying? Which stocks am I selling? Where should I be putting your, your bond portion of your investment, if any, right? So those are the, that's the thought process behind filling out that profiler and why we require it before a meeting. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you have a high deductible insurance plan? If so, have you set up your HSA? There's a ton of people who don't know what it is or how it works. Even worse, there aren't many people who can give you advice about how to make the most of these powerful and unique programs. Not many advisors focus on this in their practice, don't understand the mechanics of how they work or even where to begin helping their clients. Reach out to me, Constantine at Monarch Wealth Management, and I'll guide you through this process and get you on track to make the most of your high deductible plan and your superhuman HSA. Welcome back to Pennywise Financial Podcast. Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management and my co-host today, Sam Gwelly. Welcome back, Sam. Thank you. All right. Enough with all the uh, small talk, I guess, right? People know who we are and about the firm, the process. Let's get into the real money-making stuff. So let's take a look at the stock market today. So how are we doing? We're on the Wall Street Journal. Dow Jones. Uh, what are you seeing for Dow Jones? I see today pretty flat. It's up about 0.13. The S&P 500 up 0.28. And the NASDAQ, which is our tech sector, up 0.38%. Not a lot going on. Pretty quiet. Very quiet, quiet day. Yep. Right? How about gold? What's gold doing? Uh, we've got gold up just shy of 1%. Okay. Semiconductors are up. We've got oil down slightly. Now, how are things going so far for the year? Let's take a look at that. 
So if I look at year to date for the S&P 500, or this is actually the Dow Jones, year to date, it's pretty flat, slightly negative. It's down about 0.13. How about the S&P? S&P year to date is down almost 1%. And uh, we've also got the NASDAQ. NASDAQ is down almost 3% for the year. So last year was a, a pretty interesting year for tech. Um, started off okay. February pretty much crapped the bed. And then it went through this long cycle where it came back into favor, in and out. Um, it, it was it was a challenging landscape, I guess, if you will. This threat of rising interest rates does have an impact on tech focused companies any idea why i know not a lot of people know why like they just know conceptually if interest rates go up this could hurt my high flying high tech high multiple stocks any idea why sam uh honestly no i don't okay so think about this for a minute you're a new startup company i don't know let's say uh you did something with drones you have this like fantastic technology you're super excited about it and you're going to sell it to the military they're going to buy it and there's going to be all kinds of profit and revenue you think down the road today you don't make any money as a matter of fact you, the cash burn on your company you're negative every month so you need to get new investors to pour assets pour money into your company just to keep it afloat to keep you alive right so right now you're trading at a multiple that's really high based off of your sales or your earnings you don't make any earnings. You, you don't have, your company is not profitable right now, right? But we think maybe two, five, 10, 15 years down the road, it's gonna be very profitable, right? So when interest rates rise, what happens is it, it puts a discount on that actual value, puts a discount on those numbers. If interest rates right now are at, let's say half a percent, they go up to 2%, that means from now until your company starts making money, those earnings are going to be less valuable. So what happens is <laughs> you're actually, your stock doesn't mean anything's wrong with your company, but your stock will depreciate in value. And so there's this balancing act between do I go into growth companies? Do I go into value? Do I go into tech? Is all growth bad? Is all value bad? No, it's, it's definitely not. But there's definitely some sectors um, that I think will look to appreciate from this. I think of things like financials. And these are not new concepts. If you listen to the podcast, you'll hear them. You'll know, you'll say, geez, another podcast about financials and inflation and COVID, of course. We mentioned that in every show. But um, so financials, if you think about the way that banks make money, the higher the margin, the difference between what interest rates are and what they're paying out to their clients or, or their um, bank clients the better the margins are for banks. So the financials look to profit and benefit from that. How about the healthcare sector? Think about what happened as a result of COVID. Have you had any family members um, have surgery, elective surgery? Um, Knee replacements? Not uh, recently, no. no. And, and most of those surgeries have typically been postponed. I think there was a point maybe last year where uh, they just were not doing them at all. You couldn't do them for, I don't know, three months. Uh, hospitals were inundated. They didn't have the staff to help, um, you know, perform those uh, procedures, surgeries. 
But uh, so I think that some health uh, healthcare companies, depending on where you're going, will look to profit from them. They didn't have the best year. They just didn't. Unless you were investing in something like Moderna or Pfizer, uh, which went up quite a bit. Uh, what about industrials? Companies that actually make things, that make stuff that's not conceptual. You know, a technology is one thing. Uh, if there is another government shutdown, we can all work from home, right? Can use technology. I don't think that's ever going away, but I think the adoption rate is going to go down. It's not going to be at the same level uh, as it was the last couple of years. People that didn't use um, eDocuSign technology a couple of years ago, they adopted it. Do you think they're just going to cancel because uh, we're back to real life? No. no. It's way too convenient. It, it is. I mean, your generation, you probably grew up with signing everything electronically. I know I have. I was probably one of the first people to pay bills online. Everybody thought I was crazy. I mean, I was doing this, I want to say, for maybe 18 years now. And I was uh, I was banking at Wachovia. <laughs> you know, Wachovia, I think, is now Wells Fargo. And um, I remember paying my bills online exclusively. People were like, well, so wait a minute, you don't write out a check? I didn't even have a checkbook. Went online, I set up my bill pays, they would mail them out. This is back in the day when they would like have a processing center that would print off a physical check and put the stamp on it and mail it out for you and it cost nothing. Why would I not do that? Um, but the point is, is, is that there, at a certain point, those kind of technologies are always going to have a place for us. They're still going to be profitable, maybe not as profitable because of the adoption, not uh, continuing at that same rate. But people are not going to give them up. Once you get hooked up, let me tell you about a smartphone. What was it? When did you first get a smartphone? First one I got, I was um, 14, I think. 14. Okay. Mm-hmm. My first, I don't even know when my first smartphone was. Maybe, maybe 15 years ago, 14 years, something like that. But I held off on getting a cell phone for the longest time. And once I got it, there's no going back. It's not like, you know, I had a cell phone for a few years and I gave it up and I, I don't need it. I don't want it. It's just, it makes sense. You break down in your car. You need to get a hold of your parents. You need to get a hold of family. You're in trouble. They're in trouble. Um, you just want to contact somebody to set something up. It just makes sense. You have it in your pocket. You have a way to access people. Back in the day, I had a pager. Even before then, you shared a family phone. You, you probably don't remember this, but back in the day, we, you know, we would have a landline. And that's a, a line that we would share as a family. So you don't know who's, this is before caller ID. Caller ID was like a big deal. But you get a call into the house, it could be for Sam, it could be for mom, could be for dad, could be for the dog, could be a telemarketer, it could be your best friend. You don't even know. You don't know who's calling. So like you picked up that phone and you, you wondered who was going to be on the other end. Technology has changed quite a bit. And once you adopt it, it's hard to give it up smartphone for me i don't know that i could go back i just don't know it's super convenient but anyway so so thinking of the tax sector i wouldn't say that the entire sector as a whole is in trouble but a lot of these high flyers are that have appreciated quite a bit i mean the arc innovation fund kathy woods i don't know if you know that name but she's been in the news quite a bit lately she invests in these these companies that are conceptual that are not profitable yet uh you know self-driving taxis and flying cars and all that stuff and maybe one day they will make money 
Uh, there was a point in time uh, a while back when airlines, pretty much all of them, lost money. They went bankrupt. They got sold. There have been some companies that have been profitable. They know how to do things right. You think of a Southwest. You know anything about Southwest? The airline. The airline. So I'll tell you something about Southwest. They use, I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's a 737 or a 747. Every single plane they have is a 737. Why is that? One plane breaks down and you and your family and, and 200 people are on that flight. They have another 747 that will accommodate this same amount of people. You think of other companies like Delta, American, U.S. Air. They have uh, small planes that seat maybe 50. You've got some that seat 250, 300. You have a plane that's supposed to carry 300 people from Rochester down to Florida. Well, they'd probably be stopping in Atlanta. That breaks down, and all you got are small planes with 50 people. You just screwed up reservations for another 250 people. What do you do? Now you got to accommodate them. You got to put them up in a hotel. You got to buy them lunch. You got to give them vouchers. You have to rework everything so they're not set up to be efficient. So Southwest has done that right. How about this, though? What happened to the 737 MAX? It was destroyed. So you think of competitors like Airbus that produce planes. And Boeing, when Boeing has an issue with their planes, if you happen to be the unfortunate company that owns all of their planes and that's the only plane you own, you're out of commission. <laughs> Nobody feels safe. So when you think of technology, adoption, transport, how companies are set up, they're not all the same in technology. That's our job. Our job is to go in and find the winners, eliminate the losers, try to prevent our clients from losing money in certain areas. And it's not just a sector. I think I think out of all the years, this is going to be a challenging year if you're buying indexes. And so we have a lot of people that might come to us and say, geez, Sam, I invest in the uh, Vanguard S&P 500 index. I've done really well. I think it'll do well this year. There are certain points in, in time when the market as a whole does well. It doesn't matter which stock or bond you own. If you own the index, you're fine. Now I think it's going to be more about selection and money managers will shine. We have to do our job. We have to do our due diligence um, and selecting companies that will look to profit in the current environment we're in. And it's not just the sector. I think buying a sector is, is going to be a challenge because you might have some losers and, and uh, you might have some winners, but you own it all. Does that make sense? When you own an index, you own the good and the bad. Oh, yeah. Everything baked in the one. Uh, LPL Research released some of their recent findings. Uh, they talk about CPI, the Consumer Price Index, rising 7%. Year over year in December. So we look at last year, kind of a starting point of where we're uh, working from and where we're going. Midterm election year, uh, month over month inflation basis went up about half a percent based on the forecast of 0.4. So a little less. We know we have three rate hikes planned for this year. Whether they happen or not, I don't know. LPL research also gives us some data indicating that rates may start climbing pretty rapidly starting in March. We want to keep a very close watch on that. Anything else you think that clients should know? This CPI data goes back to 1982. It's a good indication of where things are going. Um, we think of energy, 
in prices. They actually declined in December. I don't know about you, but it's pretty cold. Well, today it's today's not bad. Today's, today's not 40. bad. Yesterday was about 40 degrees less than it is today. It's like Just four degrees outside. Swing. Everybody's going to be insane. sick. 40 degree swing uh, in one day. Um, so I think there's there's definitely areas where we can help our clients and we continue to, to work on that. Uh, again, we're not this massive cruise ship trying to shift investments one way or the other. It's small tweaks. Just like we mentioned earlier about the uh, New Year's resolutions, it's little things that you do on a really consistent, regular basis. Anything else you want to mention, Sam? You know, the thing that... Uh I have only learned within the past week or so is, uh, you know, everybody's plan is very unique to them and it may seem obvious, right. But, you know, coming into this, this profession, this job, I didn't necessarily necessarily see how unique everybody's plan was. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand that. Um, you know, what would work for somebody is obviously not going to work for you. So you can't just look at somebody saying, Oh, they're not doing well. Is this going to happen to me? No, because Everybody's unique. Everybody's plan is totally different. And that's something that I only learned recently. So I have a lot of doctors that can relate to that. Mm. You come in with chronic back pain. So I don't automatically just prescribe, hey, take XYZ medication. Might have a few options. But if I ask additional questions as your doctor, I might know that you have an allergy to a certain med. I might know that you have other issues that may have caused that back pain. So we change and tweak, um, you know, the remedies. And I think the same is true here. Uh, We can do all the research we want till we're blue in the face. We don't know everything there is to know about the market and how it's going to react in a certain way. And we do the best that we can day in and day out. We profit from that. So when we're doing the right things for our clients and we're continuing to make them money, we make more money. If our clients are losing money, we're losing money. We're not charging upfront commissions and and not caring about what happens to that client or to the market and how they get affected. So I think that's that's a valid point. Everybody's plan is pretty unique. Their solution set is very unique. And we may have to adapt that based on their comfort level, right? If I give you a prescription and you don't like the way it makes you feel uh, drowsy at 5 p.m. in the afternoon, we might have to tweak things. The same is true here. So it is a truly customized um, experience, I think, for each client. So that's a good point. And I think that's all the time we have today. Again, I want to give a big welcome to Sam Gwelly. Welcome to the firm. Welcome to the industry. Thank you for choosing Monarch Wealth Management. And we can't wait to hear what's next in store for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial, signing off. 
The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC.